Welcome to New Mexico People, Places and Ideas. I'm Stephen Spitz. On today's show, Republicans spent the last two years trying to win over Latinos. Just how well did they do? We'll ask a national expert, UNM political scientist, Gabriel Sanchez, who was part of a research collaborative that exit polled Latinos this past election. Dr. Gabriel Sanchez, welcome back to the program. Oh, thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure to talk with you and especially to be able to talk about some Latino or Hispanic politics. Well, I really look forward to this discussion. And what I'd like to do is just get your overall take on the November midterm, then focus on the Latino vote, why it was targeted, and the role it played in some key states like Florida and Nevada, and finally switch back to New Mexico and talk about why it went very blue that night, which has Republicans wondering why. So in the average midterm, the president's party usually loses about 26 seats in the House and four in the Senate. And just to begin with, why would that be so? Well, you know, we usually think about these off-area election cycles, and those are when we don't have a president at the top of the ticket. It's really referendums on the incumbent president and their party. You know, so in 2022, obviously, we're thinking about how Biden is viewed by the electorate and by extension Democrats. And as you know, you noted, historically, we typically see the incumbent party uh, take significant losses in both the House and Senate. You know, thinking back to uh, President Trump and the Republican Party in the last off-year election cycle, folks forget about this, but they lost heavily over 40 seats. Um, and so we usually think about, you know, the, the president's approval rating for Biden not being very high, uh, the economy, unfortunately, not being in a strong state and families across the country feeling the pain of, of the rising cost of living and inflation. All those factors, when you went into the election, you heard most strategists, most pundits essentially saying Democrats were going to take pretty heavy losses. So that was, you know, how we were thinking about things as we went into election night. And obviously that red wave didn't materialize. And although Democrats did lose the House, you know, it was by a much, much smaller margin than just about anybody was talking about as we headed into the election. And they held the Senate. That's right. That's right. Another surprise, I think most of us thought. Democrats had a much better probability of, of keeping the Senate. So that wasn't as big as a surprise as we saw on the House side. But, you know, you have to look at this, given that context, especially the struggling economy and Biden's approval ratings, you know, the Democrats had a pretty big night. So so one reason I've heard for why the Democrats did as well as they did was that they managed to hold on to the Latino vote. And I know that you did exit polling in a lot of key states of Latinos, and that's the reason I wanted to, to speak with you. Uh, and just to start out with, what is an exit poll? Yeah, I mean, that, that's a great question. And, and I would say that our poll, and, and this is the African-American Research Collaborative 2022 midterm voter election poll, if, if folks that are listening in want to you know, Google that and pull all the findings, it's all very accessible to folks to be able to look at the findings. I'll, I'll say at the onset that I, I would not call this a traditional exit poll. You know, where folks think about once upon a time, you know, folks with clipboards catching you as you left the, the voting booth these days, because so many voters, including here in New Mexico, cast their ballots in some cases weeks before the election. You know, these uh, voter election polls like ours are designed to be able to capture folks, you know, that vote early all the way through Election Day. Um, and that's essentially what that poll was was doing. How do you do that? You know, you start by pulling a sample. So phone, uh, you know, telephone numbers, email addresses, as we try to catch people in both modes uh, that are matched to the actual voter file in those states. 
Uh, so you're essentially contacting people and verifying that they're at least registered voters and then asking them, you know, directly even a week before the election, have you already voted? If so, how did you vote? And if you haven't voted yet, you know, and you're telling us that you're definitely going to vote, where are you leaning in terms of how you're going to vote? So it's a little bit of a mix of catching people that have already voted and folks that you might catch before they've actually voted on election day. So uh, do you have any reason to think they tell you the truth? You know, as much as any poll that's ever been conducted <laughs> in American history. Yeah, that's 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 part of, uh, you know, the limitations, if you want to call it that, of survey research, period, is you've got to take people on face value. So the, the Republicans, Gabe, were optimistic about capturing a greater share of the Latino vote. And as you mentioned, sort of at the outset, the basic factors seem to argue in their favor, correct? Yeah, I mean, that was, you know, one of the biggest narratives heading into election night is if there was going to be a big red wave, a big component of that was going to be Latino voters. Um, and part of that is, you know, if we look back to, let's say, 2008 in the Obama years, you know, the high uh, for, for Democratic voters among Latinos, you know, has decreased pretty substantially over time. Uh, so I think there was a perception that that trend would continue and maybe even accelerate given, you know, low uh, approval ratings for Biden and everything that we talked about at the top. Um, so there was speculation that Latinos were going to shift even more heavily Republican. I heard some folks say as, as high as potentially 40 percent of Latinos would vote Republican nationally across House races. So that was part of the context. Obviously, that didn't materialize. Um, especially in some of the key states where, you know, Democrats still won a lion's share of the Latino vote. And I think it helped them, you know, maintain, uh, you know, their overall influence in terms of Congress, especially on the House side. So what did you find in overall? What share of the Democratic vote did Latinos register? You know, so if we look at overall across House races nationally, 64 percent of Latinos reported that they voted for a Democratic House candidate compared to 33 percent who indicated they vote Republican. Um, and that 64%, just to give, give our listeners some context, is about 5% lower uh, than what we, we saw in terms of Latino vote share in 2022. So, you know, there was definitely a, a move among Latinos towards the Republican Party. You mean But that 5%, 2020. So, you know, is that meaningful? A absolutely. Was it big enough to fuel a red wave? No, it didn't, it didn't quite get into that, that area where Republicans needed more like 40%. Uh, to kind of see the, the trends that they were hoping for on election night. So do, do you attribute that just to being a midterm or, or was there actually some fall off uh, for Democrats in the Latino vote? You know, I think there, there was definitely some fall off, but a lot of that, you know, is the historic trend of all voters, not just Latinos, uh, moving away from the incumbent party, especially, you know, when you've got the economy where it's at. And for Latino voters, you know, their number one issue was inflation cost of living. You know, so as we were seeing that in the data, you know, I, I knew there would be a movement towards Republicans. I think, you know, 64 percent, 5 percent down from 2020, not quite as high as I thought it might get. I thought we might get into more of the seven, eight, nine percent range. So, you know, part of the overall electorates move towards Republicans. But again, not quite as, as large as some folks were speculating. So, so when you got the feedback from voters about how Latino voters, about how they why they voted the way they voted, how did they explain like the pre-election surveys really have them very, as you said, very concerned about the economy, inflation. Supposedly, Latinos are more socially conservative, more religious. All these things sort of added up to why the Republicans were so optimistic. So what actually happened when it came time to vote? 
You know, I think two of the biggest factors are, are number one, that even though inflation and cost of living followed by rising gas prices were key priorities for the Latino electorate, it didn't generate the kind of anger um, at Democrats that a lot of Republican strategists and, and political pundits overall were expecting it to in 2022. And part of that, when you look closely at the focus group data, you look closely at the surveys, you know, Latinos were definitely frustrated with the state of the economy, but they pointed the finger of blame across a wide range of folks, including Republicans and including, you know, CEOs of, of big companies, oil and gas companies that they thought that might be price gouging and driving up the, the cost of living and specifically gas prices. So I don't think it materialized into, you know, all of that frustration and anger directed directly at Biden and Democrats. I think it was diffused a bit, which definitely helped Democrats, right? That that was a big factor. And number two, you know, it was crystal clear that beyond the economy, the next most important issue, particularly to Latinas, Latino females, was abortion and protection of abortion and reproductive rights following, so that, you know, the Dobbs really decision. that's really shocking because what we always heard was Latinos, particularly evangelical Latinos, are very anti-abortion and we're going to vote that way. So what yeah, that was, that? I think that that's a lot of outdated uh, perception or theory about <laughs> Latinos, okay. you know, I think, I think a lot of folks are, are remembering back in the early 2000s where that was a dominant narrative, right? And, and folks remember, for example, former President Bush got 40% of the Latino electorate, which is by far the high. We haven't seen numbers like that since the, the Bush race in terms of a national presidential race. And a lot of that was moral issues like abortion. Well, a lot has changed since then. And, and I think the number one thing that I see in the data that speaks to why we saw the abortion trend towards Democrats among Latinos is that when you ask Latinos, even if they were you know, ideologically conservative on abortion, when we asked them you know, how they were going to think about abortion as it relates to their voting behavior, a large segment of Latinos said, look, I can have my own ideological view on abortion. That might even be highly conservative. But I don't think politicians should be making these decisions. I trust women and families with their doctors to, to make decisions about abortion. And I think that's the key issue, right, is that for Latinos, whether they, they view, you know, abortion as a conservative, uh, you know, overall uh, opinion, they, they don't really think they should infuse or impose that ideology on others. And I think that really explains to me what, what you saw in terms of Latino voting behavior in 2022, even uh -huh. with abortion being a key issue. So how does that compare with other voters? Do other are I mean that's a very sophisticated view of the issue. Are other do other voters view it that way too? Yeah, we we did see that uh, play out in terms of polling, particularly among other communities of color. Um, and I think again, you know, that's that's a trend kind of more consistent with what we're seeing, you know, in the last couple of election cycles. Um, not so much, you know, what we saw once upon a time where there was that dominant perception or myth, you know, that that Latinos were a, a very conservative. Uh, voting block as it came to moral issues like same-sex marriage, abortion, et cetera. Well, I have just one more general question on this before I ask it, though. I'd like to mention that this is New Mexico People, Places, and Ideas. My name is Stephen Spitz, and I'm very pleased to be talking with uh, political science professor Dr. Gabriel Sanchez, who has did some extensive uh, exit polling this past November. And my, my one more question is, what about the anti-MAGA vote? How, how much were Latinos concerned with, say, democracy as an issue? Because that was the issue that, 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 that Biden, for example, really tried to put forward. And everybody said it just wouldn't work. So did it work? You know, that's a, 
that's a, a very important question where there's mixed results. You know, on one hand, if you just ask, uh, like, like we did, Latino voters, what's the most important issues to you as you thought about how you're going to cast your house vote? You know, protection of, of democracy and fears about, you know, some of these candidates across the country that were running on this myth that 2020 was stolen didn't really have traction. We saw a very, very small percentage of voters saying that's key to me. That's what's driving my voting behavior. So in that regard, you know, it didn't really hit its mark. You know, that final push from from Biden and other main Democrats pushing like this election is about protection of democracy. But on the other hand, you know, when we ask voters directly, you know, when you think about your underlying, you know, fears or worries about democracy and the election, we did see a pretty sizable segment of Latino voters say they were worried about, you know, the prospect of, of President Trump or former President Trump running for, for office again as president and what implications that might have for democracy. So, you know, it's a little bit of a mixed bag. I don't think it was a home run with Latino voters the way President Biden and Democrats hoped that it would, uh, but the opposite didn't happen, right? Which was Latino voters buying into, you know, the myth of, of the election being stolen and pushing for Republican candidates who are running on that stance. Okay, so I'd like to, we're, I have so much I'd love to talk to you about. I wanna at least get into some key states. And, you know, the, the state that came in early that seemed to be, that indicated there'd be a huge difference in the vote, an outcome in the vote was Florida. And it came in, I mean, the Republicans and DeSantis had a huge win. And part of their huge win was a large uh, portion of Latinos voted Republican. And the impression that we all got if we were watching uh, the news that night was this is going to be a huge night for Republicans and Latinos were really moving. But that turned out not to be the case. And I'm sort of wondering why that was. Yeah, re really important state to focus on, particularly in the context of Latino politics. Um, so, you know, when we think about overall vote share, uh, that's the only state and in, in the ones that we polled in where the majority of, of Latinos actually voted Republican. Uh, roughly 54% of Latinos in Florida said that they voted for a Republican House candidate relative to 44% Democrat. And it sticks out as a sore thumb when you look across other states, which were much more Democratic among Latino voting share. So clearly, you know, Latinos in Florida um, are different than Latinos across the country. And for that reason, we never talk about Florida being you know, nationally representative or an indicator of how Latinos will vote in other states. In fact, when we look closely at the data, we find, for example, that Puerto Ricans that live in the state of Florida are much more likely to vote Republican than Puerto Ricans by at large nationally. So there's just a lot of nuances to the Latino electorate in Florida that make it you know, a very interesting conversation, but not one that portrays, you know, how Latinos might be thinking about politics anywhere else in the country. Yeah, I mean, I, it, when I look at your data, it, I mean, it's striking how Cuban Americans from Florida and South Americans who live in Florida seem to vote completely differently than all other Latinos. Yeah, that's right. And, and demographically, an important thing to point out is Cuban Americans are one of the few subgroups of the overall Latino electorate that actually increased their likelihood of voting Democrat in 2022 relative to 2020. So, so the Cuban it, vote actually trended shocking. in the opposite direction. <laughs> that, yeah. yeah. So how do you explain that? Well, important thing to, to think about in terms of just underlying demographics in Florida is Cubans are no longer like the big, you know, huge segment of Latino voters across the state. You're actually seeing Venezuelans, other Central South Americans, uh, even Puerto Rican population in Florida increasing at a pretty sizable rate. 
And it's a lot of those other national origin groups that significantly moved towards the Republican Party that made up some of that difference for Democrats doing a bit better among Cubans. Central South Americans, for example, you know, were, were a voting block that significantly trended towards Republicans in Florida. And that might be a, a sign of the times to come as some of those other voting groups continue to increase in their population size while Cubans remain a little bit more flat. So I, w- I want to get to at least a couple more states and, and one Another state that got a lot of attention because it was it was the Senate contest that tipped the Senate uh, for Democratic control was Nevada, and that's such an interesting state because you ha- you had the first Latina incumbent running for Senate, and she won, uh, and you also had a Republican running for governor challenging the current Democratic governor, and he won. So it's obviously a pretty purple state. You had a split, people were splitting their tickets. And I I guess one question is, what part did the Latino vote play in that win for Cortez Masto? Yeah, critical. Uh, Cortez Masto is a candidate, actually my team started polling with way back on her very first uh, campaign for Senate. So we've been tracking her specifically and, and the overall state of Nevada for some time. And when you look at the data, 63% of the Latino electorate in the state of Nevada indicated that they voted for for a Democrat. Um, So that, you know, in and of itself tells you that there was a pretty strong, uh, you know, overall support for Cortez Masto and Democrats. And when we look at that voting trend relative to 2020, it was pretty stable. It was only a 1% increase uh, in terms of Democratic vote share among Latinos. So, you know, it didn't shift pretty significantly and was just enough to keep Cortez Masto you know, in the U.S. Senate. And part of the importance of, of thinking about a Cortez Masto race is consistently over time, we've always seen in the data that when there's a Hispanic or Latino candidate on the ballot, there's typically a little bit of a push factor among Latino voters to support one of their own. Um, so that, you know, generally pretty small, three to five percent. But in a razor type race like Cortez Masto's, that little bit definitely helped keep her in office. So basically, you're saying that if there if there's a Latino or a Latina running, you can count in about another three or five percent of the Latino vote that would go toward that candidate. Is that what you're saying? That's right. And that that's generally a combination of not only like a little bit of an increase, let's say, among independent or cross party voters among Latinos to support one of their own, but also generally higher turnout uh, when you see a candidate of your own racial or ethnic background. So that that combination usually is a little bit of a push factor. I want to be real careful. It doesn't mean that Latinos will say, okay, that, that's a Latino candidate. So regardless of their policy issues or their candidate quality, I'm going to support them. But that little bit of a push factor, right, that all things being equal, three to five percent in a tight race can definitely make the difference. So does that work the same way for Republican candidates? It can. It can. And in fact, like, you know, when we start talking about New Mexico politics, that's one of the strategies I think the Republican Party uh, needs to consider is, you know, cultivating more Latino candidates because, you know, in and in razor tight races, that can definitely make a difference. So let, let's do talk about New Mexico. That's a great transition, Gabe. Uh, but let me mention first that this is New Mexico People, Places and Ideas. My name is Stephen Spitz, and I'm talking today with Dr. Gabriel Sanchez, who uh, not only did a lot of exit polling on the past November race, but also looked quite carefully in a report at the redistricting that just occurred here in New Mexico, and and therefore is also quite familiar with our electorate. And, you know, my my overall question about New Mexico, Gabe, really starts with 
the incredibly blue result that uh, Democrats had uh, this past November. They won all statewide races, and now they hold uh, all three congressional races. And the big congressional race that was really close in the second congressional district, and that was a razor thin outcome. And uh, I know you didn't do exit polling, but there is exit polling uh, for that race. And it looked to me like he got a lot of Latino support in that race. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was one of the key races across the country and one, in fact, where most, you know, had had this as, as Harold, you know, retaining her seat and, and Vasquez losing a very, very close race. And obviously, you know, that outcome shifted towards Vasquez. He, he pulled out that seat. And I think, you know, one of the things that we look at is statistical modeling. Uh, my colleague, uh, Dr. Matt Barreto out of UCLA, I, I saw him uh, quoted extensively by N NBC News um, as they were, you know, breaking down the races. And when they talked specifically about the second congressional district, uh, Dr. Barreto noted that, you know, when he looked at his statistical modeling and the polling that I know he was doing for the DCCC in that district, he concluded that about 85,000 Latinos voted for Vasquez compared to 48,000 for Harold. You know, so if you think about that's almost a 40,000 vote gap. What is that? 37,000 net advantage for Vasquez. Clearly, when a candidate wins by what, 1,300 votes, you have to say that Latino voters made the difference in, in that election outcome to, to put Vasquez as one of the new Latino members of Congress into the House. So that's a pretty powerful statement in terms of how influential the Latino vote was across the country and obviously here in New Mexico. So, so that district, according to what I read, was, was plus five for Biden. Now we're talking in an off-year election, and it goes essentially like plus one for Vasquez. I mean, that sounds to me like that's a very good uh, result for a Democrat in that district. Oh, absolutely. And, and it's important for folks to, to keep in mind that that district, the second congressional district, is the most heavily Hispanic in the state of New Mexico's congressional districts. And roughly, don't quote me on this one, I want to say it's 55% Hispanic. And, and so, you know, when we think about the second congressional district, it always needs to be a conversation that starts and ends with the Latino vote. And I think that, you know, was the case again here in 2022. So, so the other really close race was the race for governor. And Lujan Grisham defeated Ronchetti. We don't have exit polling on that race. The race ended up 52-46, a six-point win for Lujan Grisham. The journal poll right before the election had... Uh, Lujan Grisham at 50-42 with 8% undecided. So if you put uh, two points in for Lujan Grisham and four points in for Ronchetti and the other people don't vote, you get to 52-46 is what it came out as. And in that journal poll, Lujan Grisham had 62 or 63% Latino support. So I guess what I'm trying to get to is has Democratic support among Latinos in New Mexico increased, or do you see any kind of trend looking at the uh, Vasquez race where you get 64% uh, support or Luan Grisham arguably like 63% support among Latinos, or do you see this as basically consistent with the old trend line? And I guess I would throw in one more thing, which is, you know, Biden won New Mexico by I think 12 points uh, the last election. And there really hasn't been a close uh, Republican presidential election since 2004. 
So do you see a trend line in New Mexico? Because what Republicans are asking is they've already replaced their state house leadership. They're, 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 they're outwardly fighting about their, their political party leadership. And what they seem to be asking is, is this a campaign? Is this candidates? Or, you know, has the trend changed? Is there, has there been a movement toward Democrats? And so uh, what do you think about that? Yeah, a lot there. So I'll break these down one at a time, uh, start, starting with the big number, right? The, the Lujan Grisham, you know, 6% victory. Uh, for folks that, that don't know, I do the KRQE political analyst role every election cycle. And, and I was talking about 7% is what I was predicting, you know, probably a good two months up until the election and stuck with that line. So I was within 1%. So I was like, you know, whenever a pollster like myself gets it that close, we always have to recognize that because it's not always that case. Um, and, you know, the most important question, right, is the big one is, is this trend that we're seeing nationally of Hispanic or Latino voters shifting a bit towards the Republican Party? Is that consistent here in New Mexico? And if you look at the Albuquerque Journal's pre-election poll, which is my view, the, the most trusted and most accurate poll that's nonpartisan. You know, if you look at over time, let's say the last governor's race, you know, Pierce essentially um, had about a four percent lower vote margin among Hispanic voters, according to the Albuquerque Journal poll, than Ron Ketty, who the Albuquerque Journal poll said, you know, 32 percent among Hispanic voters. So that four percent difference, right, is pretty consistent with that overall drop that I referenced earlier, a five percent uh, Democratic vote among Latinos, you know, 2020 to 2022. So I think there's definitely a little bit of a movement among Latino voters here in the state towards the Republican Party. Definitely wasn't big enough you know, to allow Ron Ketty to pull out the victory, but it suggests a trend, right, that we're seeing nationally holding here in New Mexico, which is Hispanic voters slightly moving towards the Republican Party. So just to counter that a bit, I mean, and this is really comes from your data. I mean, Texas, we think of Latinos in Texas as being more conservative. Yet your polling showed that uh, Latino support for Democrats in Texas went up four points. And as you mentioned in Nevada, uh, Latino support went up one point to 60, I think 64% or 63%. And the same in Arizona, it was about 64%. So if you look at the surrounding states, is there really a trend toward Republicans? Definitely at the national level, absolutely. And, and yeah. part of that is, you know, you go back to 2008, 2012, where, you know, Democratic vote share among Latinos was way higher. Uh, than what we're seeing in 2020 um, and, and beyond. So uh, definitely it is a, a trend, right? How big of it and will that make the difference for Republicans here in New Mexico in a state where, you know, you got to go back to the 1970s where you really did not have any Republican representation in, in statewide offices or in congressional districts. So I think, you know, definitely is a trend, you know, but is it big enough to make up ground for Republicans? It doesn't appear to be. Okay, so we're nearing the end of the show, Gabe, and there, there's this saying, demography is destiny. And it seems to me that I've been hearing this about Latinos for a long time. So what do you think the future of political power looks like for Latinos? You know, clearly, just because Latinos are not only a large segment of the overall voting block, but are continue to be among the fastest growing, and a lot of that is because the, the large influx of Latino population growth over the last 10 years really hasn't been from outward migration. It's U.S. born um, young folks that eventually right turn 18 and can vote. That's really what's driving the continued growth of Latino electorate. And that isn't going to change. 
so I think, you know, the projected political influence or political power of the Latino electorate continues to be very bright. We are going to have to leave it there. I would really like to thank today's guest, Dr. Gabriel Sanchez. Thanks also to my producers, Gus Tafoya and Tristan Klump. The executive producer of this show is Lynn Shebecki, and my name is Stephen Spitz. You've been listening to New Mexico People, Places, and Ideas on KUNM. Podcasts of this show are available wherever you get podcasts. Search Stephen Spitz. Archives of past shows are at stephenspitz.com. Thanks for listening. See you next time.